Good evening. It's good to see all of you out tonight. We're glad that you're here with us. Our lesson for tonight is the 13th lesson in our one word series, not including the lessons that we went outside of the box on for Mother's Day and Father's Day. Uh, but tonight's lesson is on the word righteousness and what it means to be righteous, how we become righteous, and how important righteousness is in the life of a Christian. I'm just looking for the meaning of the word. There were a couple of definitions that I came across. One was the quality of being morally right or justifiable. And very similarly, uh, another definition is behavior that is morally justifiable or right. There's also a similar adjective that, that goes along with the, this meaning. The word justify is a word that we are very familiar with and it goes hand in hand with righteousness. Uh, those who are righteous are also justified. And so that's a, a good way to describe it. And the meaning there, declared or made righteous in the sight of God. And one of my favorites, uh, one that I heard some time ago, just as if I'd never sinned. That's what justified really means. Just as if I'd never sinned. A Christian must recognize that though he is to be righteous in the sight of God, that he cannot be righteous on his own account. See, there's nothing that I can really do to make myself righteous. Righteousness is a gift of God. And though righteousness is a gift from God, it is still something that must be pursued. It's something that we must look to and strive for in our lives. But we must understand always that we are only made righteous through the righteousness of God. If it hadn't been for God, it hadn't been for His Son, there is no way that I could be found righteous in His sight. Our lesson objectives for this evening are to learn the true meaning of righteousness in relation to God as well as its relation to ourselves. And secondly, to understand the reason for pursuing righteousness in our lives on earth. This goes very well with what we talked about this morning. We, we talked about our Christian service and how we are to strive for Christian excellence in God's sight. And, and righteousness is very much a part of that. Striving for righteousness is something that we must do as Christians. And we're going to look at this from two different aspects. We're going to look at it from the standpoint of God. We're going to look at the righteousness of God and how He is righteous and how that compares to us. And then we're also going to look at, at righteousness from man's standpoint and how it compares to us as well. But we'll begin with the righteousness of God. I don't think anybody would disagree if, if we were to ask, you know, do you believe that God is righteous? I think we understand very well that God is righteousness. Deuteronomy chapter 32 verses 3 and 4 is the first reference that I could find in relation to God's righteousness. Deuteronomy 32 and verse 3 For I proclaim the name of the Lord ascribe greatness to our God. He is the rock 
His work is perfect, for all His ways are justice. A God of truth and without injustice, righteous and upright is He. God is great. And we understand that, that God is perfect. That there is nothing that God has ever done or could ever do that would defile His perfection. And so we see Him as righteous. A God of truth and without injustice. He's a just judge. And He is righteous and upright in all that He says and does. We see God's righteousness in dealing with His people. In Isaiah 41 and verse 10, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. He promised His protection. He promised His presence with them even despite the things that they had done. We see His righteousness in Daniel's prayer for God's people. In Daniel chapter 9, beginning with verse 3, Daniel 9, beginning with verse 3, Then I set my face toward the Lord God to make requests by prayer and supplications, with fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. And I prayed to the Lord my God and made confession and said, O Lord, great and awesome God, who keeps His covenant and mercy with those who love Him and with those who keep His commandments. We have sinned and committed iniquity. We have done wickedly and rebelled even by departing from Your precepts and Your judgments. Neither have we heeded Your servants, the prophets, who spoke in Your name to our kings and our princes, to our fathers and all the people of the land. O oh Lord, righteousness belongs to You, but to us shame of face. As it is this day, to the men of Judah, to the inhabitants of Jerusalem and all Israel, those near and those far off in all the countries to which You have driven them because of the unfaithfulness which they have committed against You. Daniel here prays for a people whose righteousness was not what it should be. They had not strived for righteousness. The righteousness that they possessed paled in comparison to that of God. And we see that they were punished according to God's righteous judgment. His judgments are fair. His judgments are just. And when He issues punishment, it, it's, it fits. It fits what the people were doing. Now, we understand from the New Testament that the only way for us to be righteous is through the righteousness of God. There's no other way for me to be righteous except for God's righteousness. Now, most of our lesson is going to come from the book of Romans. I'd like you to turn there with me. Romans chapter 3 is where we're going to begin with verse 21. Romans chapter 3 and verse 21. 
But now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe. For there is no difference. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as a propitiation by His blood through faith to demonstrate His righteousness. Because in His forbearance, God had passed over the sins that were previously committed to demonstrate at the present time His righteousness, that He might be just, and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. I didn't get a chance to really look into this myself, but I was listening to a sermon on this very topic. And the preacher in that sermon mentioned that the word righteousness is found in the book of Romans some 40 times. If we want someone to understand what righteousness is, Romans is a good place for it. Now we begin by looking at the relationship of God's righteousness with the law and the prophets. I want you to notice here that God's righteousness is independent of the law, though it is witnessed by the law and the prophets. It is partially through the law that, that His righteousness is revealed to us. But God's righteousness is not tied to the law. It's not dependent on the law at all. His righteousness is. And it stands apart from the law just as well. We understand that, that God's righteousness is revealed through the gospel. In Romans chapter 1 verses 16 and 17 Paul writes, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. As we see God's righteousness standing apart from the law, as we begin Romans 3 and verse 21, on the other hand, we see that man is justified by and through faith in his obedience to God and to the law. Let's go back to verse 24 of Romans 3. Being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as a propitiation by His blood, through faith, to demonstrate His righteousness because in His forbearance God had passed over the sins that were previously committed. As man keeps the law of God, by faith God clothes him in righteousness. Now keep in mind that the righteousness of man is never earned by works of merit. There is nothing that I can do to earn righteousness. It is freely given by God, however. 
Notice what is said in Romans 5, verses 12 through 17. Romans 5, verse 12. Therefore, just as through one man's sin entered the world, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men, because all sinned, for until the law, sin was in the world. But sin is not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who had not sinned according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam, who is the type of him who, has, who was to come. But the free gift is not like the offense. For if by one man's offense many died, much more the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abounded to many. And the gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned. For the judgment which came from one offense resulted in condemnation. But the free gift which came from many offenses resulted in justification. For if by the one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one. Jesus Christ. Righteousness comes to us through the sacrifice of Christ Himself. We are not saved by any of the works that we might do before God. Have you ever thought about that? It doesn't matter how many good things that I do in the name of Christ. No amount of works on this earth could ever equal Righteousness. We are not saved by obedience to the plan of salvation. We are required to, by faith, repent, to confess that faith, to be baptized for the remission of sin. Baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Those things are required, but it is not through those things, or at least not by them alone, that I am saved. Righteousness doesn't come through obedience to the plan of salvation. And righteousness doesn't come by faithful living. Although that's also something that is required of man. Now, works are required of us. But there's a difference. It's something that we talked about some time ago. The difference between works of merit and works of obedience. Works of merit. There's nothing that I can do to earn righteousness. Works of obedience are required, but it is not by those things alone that I am saved. So don't misunderstand what I'm saying here. Works are something that we must do. But just because we have done those works, that does not make me righteous. It's not something that I should rest in thinking that, that my righteousness comes because I have done these things, because I've been obedient to the plan of salvation, or, or, or because I, I have done anything in the name of Christ. There's nothing that I can do to earn righteousness. But it is a gift that is given by God. And in return, He gives us these commands, these works that we do need to do by faith. 
put on righteousness. We are saved when our faith is evidenced in these works of God. And we are covered by the blood of Christ. If my heart is not right when I do these things, that's something that's between me and God. It's something we need to be aware of. But when faith is evidenced through these things, through these works, and we are covered by the blood of Christ, that's when we find righteousness. James chapter 2, verses 14 through 24. James chapter 2, beginning with verse 14. What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, Depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? Thus also faith by itself. If it does not have works, it is dead. But someone will say, You have faith, and I have works. Show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that there is one God, you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. But do you want to know, a foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? Do you see that faith was working together with his works? And by works, faith was made perfect. And the scripture was fulfilled which says, Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. You see then that a man is justified by works and not by faith only. Works are important. Works of obedience. Not works of merit, but works of obedience. Abraham is used as an example here. We're told in verse 23, Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him... For righteousness. What is referred to is whenever he offered his son. God gave him this command to offer his only son as a sacrifice. And Abraham was going to do it. He was going to go through with it. And by his faith we see by the works. He was justified. You see then that a man is justified by works and not by faith only. His faith was seen in his works and because his faith was seen in his works, righteousness was accounted to him. Now, did Abraham earn that righteousness? No. There was nothing that Abraham could do to earn righteousness, but righteousness was accounted to him because his faith was evidenced in his work. Righteousness or justification is not by faith alone. But by faith evidenced through works. And that's the way it is with us. Now there's nothing that I could do, no matter works, that could earn righteousness or salvation. But it is by my works that my faith is evidenced before God. And because my faith is evidenced before God in that way, righteousness can be accounted to me. 
even though I've not done anything to deserve it, even though I've not done anything to earn it, righteousness can be mine. Now let's turn our attention to the righteousness of man. Man has no reason to glory in his righteousness because his righteousness is not his own. Our righteousness comes through the righteousness of another. Keep in mind some of the verses that we've already read. Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 5.12, Through one man sin entered the world, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men, because all sin. Death comes through one man, Adam. But we also understand that all since him have sinned. And because all have sinned, none is righteous. No, not one. Romans 3, verses 9 through 12. What then? Are we better than they? Not at all, for we have previously charged both Jews and Greeks that they are all under sin. As it is written, there is none righteous. No, not one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks after God. They have all turned aside. They have together become unprofitable. There is none who does good. No, not one. See, the Jews had this idea that they were better than the Gentiles because they were God's chosen people. And so they, they looked down on people that weren't Jews. But no one is to think himself better than any other because we are all under the same condemnation apart from the righteousness of God. We're all in the same boat. None has any reason to boast. I want to give you an illustration. Hopefully I tell this right. But let, let's say you, you get an invitation. And this is a far stretch. But you get an invitation in the mail. It's a fancy invitation. The invitation is to meet the Queen of England. Now, follow me here. You take this invitation. You open it up and you read the invitation and it gives some very specific instructions. You're invited to meet the Queen of England, but something that is required you must have a $10,000 suit. I, I barely even wear a suit. Don't have a $10,000 suit. Couldn't afford a $10,000 suit, but let's just say you get a, a phone call. A, a friend of yours maybe, and, and they say, you, you know, I've got a $10,000 suit. It, it's your size. It'll fit you. And you can wear it. You can have it. I will give it to you. So you get the suit. You go to Buckingham Palace. You take, a, take your invitation with you, and you're wearing the suit, and... and the master at the gate, he receives it, he lets you in. And, and you look behind you, and you see someone else that, that comes up, and you can tell that their suit is not a $10,000 suit. And, and the master of the gate says that very plainly. This is not a, a $10,000 suit. I'm sorry, I can't let you in. Now, what do you think of yourself 
in that situation? Do you look at yourself and say, I'm better than he is. I got in. I've got the $10,000 suit. Or do you think, that could be me because this suit was given to me. I'm I'm clothed in a $10,000 suit, but it wasn't my suit. I follow that to gates of heaven. When we get ready to enter into the reward that is promised us, we make it in. Maybe someone doesn't. Do we have any right to boast? Do, do we have any reason to think that we're better than them? The suit of righteousness that I wear in that day of judgment it wasn't something that I bought. It was something that was given to me. I'm clothed in righteousness. But it's not my suit. It's God's. The illustration is kind of far-fetched, but I think you get the meaning. Forbid it, Lord, that I should boast, save in the death of Christ, my Lord. We have no reason to boast in the righteousness that we possess because it's not our suit. It's God's. He's given it to us, but we haven't earned it. And nothing we could do could ever earn the righteousness that we received. The gift of righteousness is again freely given. Going back to Romans 5 and verse 17. For if by by the one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. The righteousness is a gift that is not received unless I accept the gift. Say I've got a hundred dollar bill. Don't think I do because I, I don't. I would pull it out. But a hundred dollar bill. And I, I'm offering you that hundred dollar bill. Here, here you go. Come and get it, baby. Here's your hundred dollar bill. Okay. <laughs> now, I have the hundred dollar bill. And until you come and get it, it's still my hundred dollar bill. I'm offering it to you. I'm giving it to you. But it is not yours until you accept what is necessary to receive that gift. And likewise, one must act to receive the gift of salvation. We must receive the gift of righteousness through obedience to the plan of salvation by faith, confession, repentance, baptism, faithful living. That's the means by which we obtain righteousness. Those things alone wouldn't save us. It's still a gift from God. Those things are required and we must accept righteousness by doing those works of obedience. Obedience secures our righteous status before God. But until we do what is necessary to obtain the gift of righteousness, we cannot possess it. You see, we're told about righteousness. We're told what we need to do to obtain it. But until we have done it, we have not received the righteousness. It is a free gift of God, but we have not received it until 
we are obedient. Righteousness is something that we can obtain. We've been given the way to obtain it, but until we act upon it, until we do the will of God, we cannot be righteous before Him. And finally, righteousness is something to be desired and pursued. 2 Timothy chapter 2, beginning with verse 20. Paul writes this, But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also wood and clay, some for honor and some for dishonor. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. Flee also youthful lust, but pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. See, Christians are to purify themselves before God, pursuing righteousness and honor. Now, now wait a minute. It's a gift. It's given to me. It's something that I, I've already obtained. I've been obedient to the, the plan of salvation. I, I live faithfully and righteousness is mine. I possess it. It's been given to me. Righteousness is already mine. But still, we are to pursue righteousness. Now again, it is a free gift. And it is something obtained through the plan of salvation, the obedience to it, and living a faithful life. It's something that is obtained by us. But we must still pursue righteousness. It's something that we still must prepare ourselves for. We must purify ourselves. Uh, we must be holy, set apart from the world. It's something that we must pursue. Uh, until the day we die, we are pursuing righteousness. We continually work on our lives and make them what God wants them to be. As the gift of righteousness is not received until we do what is necessary to, to obtain it, so we must constantly pursue righteousness throughout our lives on earth. We are to prepare ourselves as a dwelling place for God. Remember what is said in John chapter 14 beginning with verse 19. A little while longer and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you will live also. At that day you will know that I am in the, my Father, and you in me, and I in you. He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Verse 23, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him. And we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me does not keep my words, and the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. If we are to be one with the Father, be one with Christ, we must pursue righteousness. We must prepare ourselves to abide with God. The day that we stop reaching higher and reaching for, for better, 
the day that we stop striving for excellence is the day that we lose our righteousness. Let's strive. Let's pursue righteousness with everything that we have. And something that I wanted to close with. There are some things that we cannot rely on. There are some things that we cannot stand on in regard to righteousness. First of all, we cannot stand on the righteousness of others. Fellow Christians, parents or grandparents or so forth, anyone that you have a close relationship with, we cannot stand on their righteousness. Just because they have lived a faithful life and just because they have obtained that righteousness and even if they have passed on, we cannot stand on the righteousness of others. Husbands can't stand on the righteousness of their wives and likewise wives cannot stand on the righteousness of their husbands. We cannot stand on the righteousness of other people. Righteousness is to be obtained on an individual basis. It's based on how we live and our service to God. We cannot stand on the righteousness of our past, past accomplishments and faithfulness. Do any of you have a, a trophy at home or a trophy room maybe, something where you keep uh, certain valuable pieces, some things that you have earned? There, there's only one award that I really earn, you know, remember earning in school. And I didn't really get it until high school. But in child care, I got second place accomplishment for story reading. I was very proud of that. I've still got that certificate. Maybe there are certain things that you're proud of. And, and you can go back to a certain room. You can look at these accomplishments and say, you know, that, that was really cool. I'm glad I, I got to do that. But when it comes to our righteousness, we can't go into a trophy room. We can't pull out some kind of uh, a thing that symbolizes our accomplishment and say, here God, I I've been righteous, see? I I've done something good for you. Here you go. Just because we've been righteous in the past doesn't mean that we are righteous in judgment. We can't fall away from God. Scripture teaches that very plainly. We see people that did. So just because I have been faithful and I have done certain good things, it doesn't mean that I am still righteous today. I think of Demas, I believe it was, that had left the work. He had done some faithful service to God, but he left. And we don't read that he ever returned to serve God in the way that he should. He had left for the pleasures of the world. He couldn't stand on the righteousness of his past and the things that he had done in the past. It doesn't matter if we win a hundred souls to Christ. If, if we fall away, if we fall back into the world, if all of the temptations that, that we're faced with, if we turn back and judgment comes and we're not ready, we can't stand on the accomplishments of the past. We must always be moving forward. 
must continue in works of obedience to continue in God's righteousness. But we cannot stand on the accomplishments of the past. And we cannot stand on our own merit. Again, there is nothing that we can do to earn righteousness, but we can be thankful for the sacrifice of Christ. Because it is through His blood that, that we can stand righteous before God in judgment, knowing that we are saved. We can know that. But it's not because I've earned it. It's because Christ died for me. Because He shed His blood for me. And because I am clothed in His righteousness. There's no reason for me to boast in that. Except through the blood of Christ. But there's nothing that I can boast in of myself. Are you righteous? Are you a child of God? Are you living faithfully? Do you need to come back and rededicate your life to Him? Is there some way that we can help you? Either obedience or repentance tonight. As always, we stand ready to assist you. And we invite you to come. As together we stand and as we stand.